Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, just before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like a lot, a lot. So be advised. We're just two idiots with a mic. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is Epi 113. 113, and we are now officially Cali Girls. What's up? Guys, we're West Coast girlies. Yeah, for a whole two days. <laughs> three. <laughs> three, yeah, technically three. Oh, shit. But we are still very much a Feeling the effects. No, we came back to Knoxville. We said, we don't belong here. No, I'm just kidding. We were like, oh, thank God. No, we can breathe. The way that we literally landed in Knoxville or Nashville, we landed in Nashville and we were walking up the gate. You know what I'm talking about? Like the bridge or whatever it's called. Yeah. We were like, fresh air thank god because it we we could not breathe wrecked my nose oh my god we are still stuffy battling with the effects of i mean i've been lightheaded since we landed yeah not only that we're jet lagged oh my god and i know that's so dramatic for how little time we were there but when i tell you that we had max like probably a total of 10 hours of sleep if that that. and i definitely had way more than you i was being crazy Morgan, Morgan. Okay, we'll get to that later. But Morgan was convinced that uh, there were people walking in our mirrors. But we'll get to that. Oh shit, we will get to it. Um, guys, we had the best time ever, and it was like our first trip, just Morgan and I, that we've ever done. Yeah, ever before. It was great. Obviously, I mean, we lived together for plenty of years we could travel together just fine we could handle it okay here's the full story are you guys ready buckle in sorry get the run down going we're gonna just jump into it and good luck so morgan and i drive to nashville but this was only after she got her hair done and by (laughs) the way it looked absolutely phenomenal and our girl did a phenomenal job thank you so much to grow and what was her name Becca. Becca. Becca at Grow did a great job. So she does Morgan's hair. And my girl was dedicated to making this. She was dedicated every inch, every piece, every strand. Every single. And it looked fucking phenomenal. (laughs) Billion. Every single billionth strand on Morgan's big, thick head (laughs) got taken care of that day. So we got a little delayed in the trip. (laughs) But it was so worth it. Like when I saw Morgan, I was like, you know what? That delay was absolutely worth it. That This is the best ever. So Maddie, I'm just joking. Yours is yours is always 10 out of 10. Maddie, I'll come back for you. Maddie, don't worry. We just had to have someone down here for just a it moment. Was just a, I need a little gray touch up. Just a little touch up. So then after that got done, we drove to Nashville. And by the way, the drive from Knoxville to Nashville is three hours and some change depending on the traffic. But if there's no traffic. Well, it's two and a half with it's no two and traffic. A half. Yeah. But usually three 
then some change mm-hmm. extra on top of it. Right. And that's just because of the time that we always end up having to leave for yeah. Nashville from this place. So we from this place. All we know sure. after everything is Nashville is not our trip. No, Nashville. A, I can't stand it. The drive is horrific. And Morgan and I have done it so many times in the last few months. We're done with that. that. We, I, we ended up there and I was like, how did we get here? No, we literally blacked out. We literally it's like when you're driving home from like work or school and you just end up at home and you're like mm, I don't know how this happened <laughs> that's what it was like so anyways we get to Nashville we go eat with my cousin and her husband at their restaurant in so Franklin good. it's called Chrysalis it's a modern Italian if you guys ever want to try it it's so freaking good the best that you'll ever have in your entire life so we stayed there and we ate there with Nikki because we were spending that at Nikki's house crashed woke up the next morning at five Got on, drove to BNA, saw the iconic carpet that everybody's obsessed with. It's so ugly. It's the ugliest shit. It reminds me of my grandma's like carpet. Oh, it's just tragic. It reminds me of like an old couch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not even the like carpet. A pattern. Yeah. We jump on our flight after we eat some Chick fil A, of course. And this Clutch. comes back in the story. Don't Meanwhile, worry. Also, we're not hungover, but we are. We were so full because we ate so much yeah and just like we were sick we were sick and then you know how it's not a hangover when you have wine it's like that swollen weird feeling in your mouth too and we it wasn't even hungover it was just not feeling right right so we get to california land at lax everything's gucci we're We're vibing we needed a coffee violently needed a coffee and food and food because we had that okay we had that Chick-fil-A. chick-fil-a biscuit that was at six o'clock central time yeah. which is seven o'clock our eastern time. time our time and then we land in la and it's 10 30 their time so there was like a solid four Which to is five really hours. 12, 11, 130 our time. So we were starved. So we go to pick up our car. We're at Enterprise. And my husband-in-law. Or <laughs> <laughs> my brother-in-law. <laughs> my sister's husband. my AKA my brother-in-law. Sorry, Marley. Literally. Sorry, Marley. Yeah, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> he um, got us this little deal at Enterprise. Um, cause he is a manager at like the Denver branch or something like that. Anyway. Um, so we pull up to enterprise and we're trying to actually check in through this kiosk and it wasn't fucking working. No, we're like, it was not working. This. It so was not go, scanning our IDs. Nothing. It was so not we go right. up and we get the, you know, the okay to walk outside and someone's going to meet us out there. And this guy comes over and he's like, Oh, who, you know, works at enterprise. We're like, Oh, my husband, in law, my husband, in law, <laughs> my brother-in-law. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, you guys wanna, you guys wanna upgrade? We're like, like upgrade. Hmm. Um, what's what? What are our options? And he's what? like, how about a convertible? And we're like, okay, we were signed up for like this like Nissan Versa, like, yeah, like um, like a compact, like we just wanted something that was good on gas, something small. that could get us where we needed to go, just four wheels. But as soon as the words convertible came out of this guy's mouth, me and Taylor looked at each other, and we were like, yeah, yeah we'll fucking we'll take, take the convertible. <laughs> and so the, he has all of these like Mustangs lined up, right? And it's like silver, black, white, white, silver, black, or something like that, yep. all lined up, compacted, parallel parked into each other. And he's like, you care what color? 
We're like, yeah, we'll take the white one. AKA the two that were in the dead center of the, and we're like, that he couldn't get out at all. And so for the next 15 minutes, this guy's struggling, (laughs) pulling out seven different Mustangs, trying to get room for the white one to get out. turns to get these things out. And at one point we were like, damn, we probably should have just taken the silver one. It was right up front. Or the black one. Had to be difficult. (laughs) Or the black one. No, we were like, we'll take the white one. (laughs) The one that's literally locked in. So we get in this car and fucking couldn't figure out Apple Play. It was the hardest thing ever in the world. But we were like, okay, well, let's go. We actually wanted to go to Zara. Yeah. And we wanted to go to Zara at Santa Monica. But then we found this restaurant on the Malibu Pier that we really wanted to go to. It's called Malibu um, um, Fresh Cafe. Farm oh, Cafe. Farm Cafe. Farm Cafe. So Guys, good. if you're ever in Malibu or just in the vicinity, drive there. Yeah. Guys, it was so good. It and was the views. So, good. So, so we get in the car, guys. We finally get Apple CarPlay working, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, your route to Malibu, high wind alert. And we're like, <laughs> oh, high wind alert. We're in a convertible. What's that fucking matter? Put what the top that? down. <laughs> oh, no, we're literally like, drop the top, pull over at this gas station. <laughs> as soon as we get this alert, we're like, the wind's going to be in our hair. <laughs> so we Wrong. pull over, drop the top, drop top. The high winds are fucking flowing us back and forth. Murdering we get to the, us. Pre- the pier. We do make up for 30 minutes. Still starving. Still haven't had oh our coffee. God. We go and we eat. It was amazing. amazing. Taylor had this yeah. like taco entree, like oh my triple God. taco. What is it? Trio? Trio. Yeah, it was a trio taco. And one was like vegan. So it was butternut squash and just like all these different types of squash mm, on a taco yeah. in like a taco thing. So delicious. Never thought I would like that. I had nachos. Chicken, I never order nachos. No. And I typically do. And I never. And they were so, so They good. were the best nachos I think I've ever had in my entire life. And then we got dessert that's still actually sitting in the Hotel Roosevelt oh, or Hollywood Roosevelt's poor fridge. God, that was the best dessert in the world. Yeah. So we get back in the car, guys. We were like, OK, drop top. Let's just drive down. Oh, we had one. great coffee, too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was good. So then we drove down the Pacific Highway. Then we spot this like massive stretch of beautiful mountains, palm trees, beaches and the ocean. And we're like, oh. Oh, um, we're gonna need pictures. This this is great for photos, don't you think? <laughs> I, I'm flying like 55 down this highway, and Morgan's just in the passenger seat, spamming her. She's got her hands hands up, up, hair going through the wind, shaking the head. We're singing a song. We're smiling. We're cackling. We're like, who are we? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, time to turn around. Your turn, guys. I'm driving. We had a pause. We actually had to pull over, figure out what we needed to do, where the camera needed to be because she was going to drive. Right. So we needed to know what angles had to happen and where I would be able to know where my hands needed to be and what poses Morgan needed to do to be sure that we we only have one (laughs) shot at this, even though we could have literally just drove back. But we were like, we've got one One shot. shot. This is it. So then oh, Morgan. <laughs> so then the whole entire time we're driving and I'm fucking posed up. I'm mm-hmm. got my hands up. Taylor's snapping pics. We're, we get end up getting behind this like big dump truck. And we're yep. like, let's follow it. It's only Perfect. going 20 miles an hour. People are laying on the horns. And we're like, we're getting content. And we're like, you know what? Let's just whip into um, Zoe 101. Zoe 101. Why? This, when Pepperdine we, University. Pepperdine, there we go. And um, we pull up and we find this like neighborhood. And we're like, wow, you can really see the beach from here. And Taylor's like, let me barrel park. <laughs> 
in the middle of the road and take your picture i'm like no it literally says no parking allowed neighborhood on watch and we parallel park pull in the middle of the road cross block everything off and block I'm, the entire I'm neighborhood pictures I am. yeah we were just taking all these pictures and in the midst of this we're on the other side of topanga canyon yeah. so we're like mm, we're driving yeah we're going let's drive through so it. and because we were like oh that's a way that we could get to calabasas and we could go to the target there because yeah. we needed toiletries top down still by the way guys we're driving through topanga canyon it's straight up dust did we think that that was going to affect our ability to breathe at that time with the top down driving through a no, literal dust mountain filled canyon no because the, view, the views were gorgeous the, it was it was stunning. 10 it was the coolest thing ever especially in a convertible to be able to see all of that like yeah. it was so nice by the time we get out there's this gas station morgan and i literally if we were to take like an oxygen test zero we go to the calabasas target being crazy being we, we're being crazy we had to get all sorts of things and we're standing in this standing aisle and i i hear this voice that i've heard before i just couldn't mm -hmm. figure out who it was and i look at her and it was <laughs> guys it was literally catch me outside how about that literally i'm not even kidding you it was her yeah it was her you could look at her face you could tell it was her she looked just you like could her hear you it. could hear it i could hear her from two hours away at the target we obviously didn't say anything no we just were like mm, we, gotta go. we also had the loudest car in the oh world oh my god y'all patreon knows because you got to see the car it was the only car in that <laughs> entire place <laughs> that was like these are tourists <laughs> like the whole time as we're going through kang 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 as we're driving i was like no we, we're, we're done. Literally done we're getting out after that we go check in at our hotel and phenomenal great 10 Amazing. out of 10 we we'll stayed at the hollywood roosevelt right yep. off of the right hollywood walk of fame right across from the chinese theater so yep. we got to go see the hollywood walk of fame and we were like exhausted we edited the episode that you guys listened to on thursday and then we were like okay it's time to go to dinner okay we were so tired it's eight o'clock in la which means it's nine ten eleven our time so we were like okay this is perfect uh, we'll go eat no we couldn't we literally were fighting ourselves and then we were like we're here for two days we need to go eat we have got to go eat so we got ready put on some super cute fits which of course you saw on our instagrams <laughs> and then we went to go eat at this like little bar that was degrees. in yeah in the roosevelt and it was it was okay we're just i dead. had a bad moscow meal but the blt uh, I, I was couldn't eat. i had truffle fries that's all i could get i thought i was gonna throw up if yeah. i anything but taylor ordered a blt they looked at her like she's speaking a foreign language like they've never heard of a blt in their life it was not on the menu but she's like uh, a blt they know, had a thing to build tomato. your own sandwich and i was like can i just get a blt and he looked at me like i was insane but then they brought out the best blt ever and then it was i was like i'm sure uh, I'm, if you work at a burger joint slash sandwich shop yeah you're gonna it's a BLT. Yeah. It's a diner. It's a BLT. You're at, we're at a diner. So Shit. anyways, I was like, if you don't have it, that's fine. Just, you know, whatever. And so he brings it out. Best I've ever had in my entire life. I have to literally choke Morgan to get her to try it. We're both delusional at this point. We're gagging at the thought of like even looking at a drink. We're dehydrated beyond belief. And Morgan finally takes a bite. And she's like, <sighs> <laughs> so got a couple pieces of tomato and, and then i finished it. and she finished the entire thing i finished my half she finished hers we ate some of the basket truffle truffle fries they were just too truffly yeah and too parmesan -y. yeah like super fancy yeah and i wasn't expecting that 
So I don't even know what we did next. We went we, to sleep. We literally went home and I don't even think we managed to no, we did get the makeup off. But we were just so tired. We weren't even drunk. We were just tired. Yeah. And the next day we went shopping. Oh. We went to the Mystic Museum. Yeah. We went to the Mystic Museum. That's gonna be a vlog coming out mm-hmm. soon. Yep, because just gotta figure the out. M. Shoals told us to go. Yeah, and we also meant to take our camera, but we forgot it. And the camera still would not record. Even yeah. though we left it when we got home, we were trying to record with it and while we were getting ready for the event. And it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Okay, finally, the big reveal. What was it that they went to LA for? Now, despite having some like meetings while we were there and getting to talk with some people that we've oh we also went to dinner with sabrina, sabrina. yeah we went to dinner with sabrina that needs at pump at pump lisa vanderpump oh my god pump. Yeah. so amazing the food there was phenomenal by the way so the reason we went to la overall like the reason that we actually bought the tickets and went was because hulu invited us to come to their welcome to chippendales um launching experience event interactive oh my god it was amazing it was so cool and there were like tons of other influencers and people in the true crime space that were there we got to take a picture in front of the welcome to the chippendales yes maybe we'll post no we won't Uh, no we will not (laughs) not the good of photo and we okay so guys we're like expecting this to be like you know influencers that are there yeah no no we're actors we're ordering at the bar and literally the actors all these oscar nominee actors are sitting beside us at the bar i i like elbowed the hell out of Kumail Nagiani, and I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry and then I'm like oh, oh shit um, hey what's going on I didn't know what even to say I was like oh he's like oh it's okay I was like she's just packed in here it's really cool <laughs> and I'm looking at Morgan I'm like let me go on the other side of you and take a picture of him but like really safely and slyly because <laughs> I was like no one's gonna believe us if yeah we, no no but they were so all so freaking nice Morgan was in the bathroom with Annalie Ashford yeah just chatting up just about chatting her dress up. and about how uh, what was it the paper towels or something were paper working. towels Guys, just in the water, it would only, you know how it's like one of those like time things that only like will go for like 10 seconds. Well, this one was only going for three seconds. No. So we were both like sitting there struggling about it. It was funny. (laughs) So I didn't even know who she was. So Taylor told me after. I was like, Morgan, that is. She was like this girl. I was like, oh, yeah, I was in the bathroom with her. I remember her from her dress. Yeah. It was just so like. And she looked amazing. Yeah, gorgeous. But I've never seen her look like that in a movie or anything because her hair is normally like blown out or straight. Yeah. And she had it like super curly and it was really. Oh, Julia Lewis was there. I mean, it was just craziness. It was cool. So we played it really cool. Cool as cucumbers. We were as cool as, as cool as we could be. As cool as you possibly think we I could mean, be. I mean, just like slick as fuck. We had a great time. We got to watch like literally a recreation of Chippendales in the 80s. And it was so good. It was so I well choreographed. I wish I could just explain to them how many cameras were everywhere. No, like, I'm scared. Like people on, on the ground getting the angles. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then these like people with like professional photographers came up and were like, can, can we, we get a picture, picture of you? you? And, and we're like, uh, yeah. We're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because we're like, we're not anybody social. There's literally behind us are people that have like 7 million followers and like yeah. 13. Then there's like freaking award winning actors beside us. Anyways, we had a great time. Uh, we I can't wait to do it again. Oh my God. I, w- I cannot wait to do it again. It was so worth get having to pre-record, having to like you know not tell you guys yeah. stuff it was so freaking awesome but welcome to chippendales 
premieres is out right now. Yeah, on uh, November twenty second, it goes out, and I'm really excited to watch it. Me too. I got to see some of the screeners, but I could not figure out how to work screeners. So yeah, and stressful. they were playing. They were playing clips also at the event. Yeah, like. it was really awesome. And then if you haven't seen our TikToks about them already on my page. Go, just go give them a little give look-see. them some love a little liking and a little looksee you know we have a lot more content to post for you guys we're just fucking exhausted yeah we're just exhausted when we when we landed y'all we first off had a great experience on the flight we got to sit beside this cool dude who loves true crime podcasts and gave us tons of cases that and we if he's to listening to. to this i i know you're in the illuminati <laughs> trent you're in the illuminati <laughs> um yeah he was really dope so then we landed, we drove back to Knoxville, we stopped at our P.O. box. Yeah, we did. Oh my God. And um, you sent us the cutest freaking bracelets. Oh my God, guys. They were so cute. From Alexis. Thank you, Alexis. They were literally, uh, we wish we had them in L.A. We oh wish. my God. If we would have had those in L.A., first off, they would have matched our outfits perfectly. Yeah. And I was supposed to stop at the post office. Urfus. Hello. At the P.O. box before we left. But then, um, forgot the key. I forgot Couldn't the key. Couldn't find the key. Something. <laughs> yeah. But no, it. they're so cute. We literally have them on right now. We haven't yeah. taken them off. We're going to post a picture of them on our Instagram so you guys can see because she does this as like her business. Yeah. She makes so these cute. awesome, super cute, like custom little things, little bracelets. And they're so freaking cute. You're going to love them. So anyways, they should be on our Instagram already by the time you're listening to this. But thank you so much, Alexis, for sending thank those to you. us. It ma- literally made it finish. It topped off our weekend. It topped it all off. It was it was a really good weekend. I know it looked like we had a lot of fun and we did have a lot of fun, but we yeah. really worked hard. We were stressed and it really was like a serious work trip. And we had a great time. Yeah. Work hard, play hard. But it was work hard. Work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah play really hard like so hard that i didn't think we were gonna make our flight but um anyways guys we had a great time thank you guys for like loving on us this whole trip i know it was hard for us not to be on our instagram with you guys as much as we would like to but um, we'll be back we're back on again and, and we're back live on a on a normal schedule yes kind of we have yeah. thanksgiving coming up so we'll a couple things need to be pre-recorded but for the most part we're back in normal time yeah everything is back in time when it comes out fresh new hip pop for you because don't love you and but i do want to let you guys know that because of the issues we're having with our camera thanks to nona rona pona big bitch mean honey Mm -hmm. cat my cat knocking it over it's like i'm gonna send it to the shop to get it looked at and if it doesn't work we're just gonna have to order a new camera so as of right now everything on audio no on youtube is going to be audio only at least until probably january just in terms of all the pre-recordings it might be earlier than that but just depending on how this gets worked out because if something's really wrong with it the camera that we want to upgrade to is going to be like a minute to get in all righty that's it let's do this hit them with it if you're driving throw that shit on cruise control if you got a glass pour that shit up and let's get creepy And before we move on, I just have to tell you guys how crazy Logan was being while we were out of town. Calls every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes. It was insane. And so I was like, 
okay we were watching tiktok one night when we were laying in bed after the whole debacle trying to find teddies okay <laughs> no not teddies you guys don't know what teddies is yet but it's coming and i saw this app called paired now one of our friends noodle had been telling us that we had to get on this app because she and peyton absolutely love it so i forced logan to download the app i downloaded the app we connected with each other as partners on there and we started playing all these games and doing all these questionnaires about our relationship and this was just a great way for us to stay connected build our relationship and our communication between each other and make him not be so crazy missing me while I was gone and it worked <laughs> and it worked it was so much fun this app is called paired it is a relationship app for couples you and your partner download the app pair together and every day paired gives you questions quizzes and games to have fun stay connected and deepen your conversations so naturally when taylor and logan were using it i forced aaron to <laughs> download <course>. it <laughs> and you'll never believe what i found out about him through using paired it popped us up a question that says what about your partner do you find the sexiest and guys aaron said my teeth and i know that sounds like like what crazy like you're not your butt but no <laughs> i have been so insecure about my teeth i have fake teeth mm -hmm. and it was just like all the more reassuring and the reassurance that i needed and yeah. like the confidence and it was just so sweet it's so intimate too for him to say that about you yeah it's just so sweet and guys it's so easy to use and it's most of the time hilarious what they say each day you get a quiz to play or a question to answer and you cannot see your partner's answer until you have answered it yourself so the one that logan and i got this morning was what do you remember about the first time you met now naturally he was like how you wouldn't kiss me on the first date <laughs> um and i was like actually it wasn't because it was the first day it was because the first time i ever met you in person yeah but my answer was this giant scar that i have on my right hand from where he accidentally burned me with a sparkler and <laughs> i did not tell him that he had done it because obviously i didn't want to embarrass him now yeah. i would like call it out in a second but i actually love it so much and i told him whenever he read my question my answer to the question i said i would love to get like a little tattoo around it because it's just the perfect circle on my right hand Aww. And, and then you guys got married that same day how many years later um, four years later oh i love it so whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time it is time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using paired you can just head to paired.com slash creeps and crimes to get a seven day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to PAIRED.com slash creeps and crimes to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts here. Okay, Morgie, what do you have for us today? Morgie, so Morgie. cute. Today I'm going to be talking about a very iconic hotel that Taylor and I now have firsthand experience yes. with. So I'm just diving right into it. During the golden era of Los Angeles architecture in 1926, this iconic hotel popped up on 7000 Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. The hotel was built in 1926 and funded by a finance group consisting of a legendary movie producer, Louis B. Mayer, mm -hmm. actor Douglas Fairbanks and his second wife, movie star Mary Pickford, and the owner of the TCL Chinese theater, Sid Grauman costing them a total of $2.5 million to complete or $39 million today. Good God. On May 15th, 1927, the hotel was opened and named after the 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. This is the history and the hauntings of the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. 
Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Wish we had sound effects. I know. Should I add them in? No. Yeah, I'm going to start adding them in. No, not today. We don't have time. Literally not this episode. Since its opening, it has become one of the most celebrated structures on Hollywood Boulevard. It originally showcased some of the finest Spanish colonial revival style architecture in the entire city. But almost as quickly as it opened, it would find itself one of the top hotels, filling up with many, many movie stars booking rooms every single night. Yet, the hotel fell on hard times during the 50s. During this time, a new owner set foot in the hotel and just demolished everything. It's archways, painted ceilings, and it resulted in this new look, which was the entire hotel being seafoam green. And immediately we're calling (laughs) the police. Immediately jail. Immediately that is illegal. I know. In 1985, a company called Radisson Hotels purchased the hotel and undertook a $35 million renovation using the original blueprints and historic photos to recreate that OG look, that Spanish colonial architecture that the hotel once had. Thank God. Thank God for Radisson. Yeah, they restored the lobby's coffered ceiling, and they added a three-tiered fountain along with a million-dollar mural at the bottom of the hotel's Tropicana Pool in 1987. On August 13th, 1991, the city of Los Angeles declared the hotel as a historic monument, making it Los Angeles' historic cultural monument number 545. 545. 545. In 1995, Goodwin Gob then purchased the hotel, with David Chang later becoming the co-owner. And in 2005, the Thompson Hotel Group was hired on as, like, the management company. Mm -hmm. They also received another $30 million renovation that year, and it was headed by Dodd Mitchell Design Group and David Segua. And yet again, in 2015, the hotel completed another $25 million renovation inside the rooms, which was headed and designed by Yabu Pushelberg. I think that's how you say that. And this is when they also created that like poolside bar, Tropicana bar mm-hmm. lounge, which is really iconic. Cute. Everything really about this cute. hotel, guys, is fucking iconic. Yeah. Since 2015, the hotel has been run independently by its own management company. It's sitting alongside the Hollywood Walk of Fame across from the TCL Chinese Theater. And the Hollywood Roosevelt has 12 stories, 300 guest rooms, and 63 of those are suites. Just a lot for a hotel. Yeah, especially because if you look at the Hollywood Roosevelt, you're not going to think that, first off, it's that big. Right. It doesn't look that big, but it's because it's you It's like don't, sectored off into yeah. two different levels. Like the one, t- which you might, are you going to get into well, it? No, but okay, so we can talk about it. When you're looking at like the main building that has the Hollywood Roosevelt on top, it is, it looks like it's okay tall, but like compared to the buildings that are around it currently, like, you right. know, it doesn't look that Like they huge. had originally built these rooms to go outside the pool to have mm-hmm. like pool access. Cabana or rooms. Like cabana rooms or mm-hmm. cabana access. Yeah. And so, then they added onto those and made it like even more of a cuff around it. And mm-hmm. then on the front is what's on the main strip right there. Yeah. And those are restaurants and lounges and mm-hmm. stuff. So you don't even, you can't even really tell that they're attached to it when you're pull up to it no and we didn't uh, whenever you're like oh that's where we stayed in i was like wait that's a hotel yeah like no it's behind yeah and i was like what it's the entire block like the the hollywood roosevelt takes up the entire block it's huge but you wouldn't know if you look at it like it doesn't look like it is 
Um, it also contains the very famous Gable Lombard penthouse, which is a 3,200 square foot duplex wow. that has an outdoor deck that holds views of the Hollywood Hills and the Hollywood sign. You know, one thing we didn't see was the Hollywood sign. I know. And how, how did we miss because it? Because it's not, it's not where you think it is at all. Like you think when you pull up, you're going to see it. You cannot see it. Me yeah. and Logan had to drive like 30 minutes out to go get to it. Yeah, I can't But we didn't I even didn't go it. up to it. We just got to a point where we could fucking see it. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we didn't waste time on No, I'm glad we didn't waste time on it. It's um, not that impressive. This penthouse is named after Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, who used to stay in the room all the time for only $5 a night or $90 today. Wow. The hotel has eight restaurants, bars, and lounges. Open in 2005 is the 25-degree hamburger restaurant located on the front side of the hotel. Like don't ask just, for a BLT. Don't ask for a BLT there, <laughs> clearly, because it's not on the menu, and they'll look at you like you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's located right on Hollywood Walk of Fame. So it's a public kitchen and bar, and it you can you don't have to be a you can just go on the street. Yeah. yeah, it's like just totally like a public restaurant, and it features this American food in this like old Hollywood style dining room. It's got the big red leather booths. Mm-hmm. It's got all the vibes. It's got like the a, a really awesome old old bar in it too. Like the bar you can just look at it and be like, that and is they got so the, old. The stools and the yes, they, and the checkered floors. Yeah. It was really cute. Yeah, it is cute. Um, there's also the spare room that acts as a gaming parlor and a cocktail lounge, as well as the library bar that is a cocktail bar. The Tropicana Bar overlooks the pool, and there used to be a nightclub featured in the hotel. It was called Teddy's. It was located off the lobby, but it was closed in 2015. Why is it still on the map? Because we were looking for Teddy's. Yeah. I and Teddy's did know. not exist. Teddy's was not there. We were literally like, it must be behind one of these library doors. No, it was a comedian Yeah, lounge. the library bar, I don't, it, it's on one of my Instagram pictures. Mm-hmm. It's of like a detailed shot of yeah. my boots. Those were the doors that I was standing in front of that yeah. looked like library shelves. Like, Wait, guys, when dope. you look at it, you're going to be like, there's no way this is a door. It was a freaking door. It was a door. Yeah. It was dope. The Hollywood Roosevelt also hosted the very first Academy Awards on May 16, 1929 inside the Blossom Ballroom. It was hosted by Academy President Douglas Fairbanks and was held actually three months after the winners were announced and had 270 people in attendance. And also, fun fact here, the nickname, like an, winning an Oscar, like Oscar, had not yet been invented, but it did come around four years after the first show. Really? So, like, the Academy Awards were there, but it wasn't called an Oscar yet. Why was it the called Oscars? an Oscar? Well, I, I don't know. I guess I should have looked that up. No, we'll, we're going to Google it. We'll let you guys know eventually. Yeah, who deemed that? Who was Oscar? Yeah, who's Oscar? I bet he was imperative. Imperative. Important Guys, man, and VIP. this freaking ballroom, stunning. 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 Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Also hosted at the hotel was the Golden Raspberry Awards, which is a ceremony to recognize the year's worst in film, which is kind of really fucked up to get an award. Like, congratulations, <laughs> Creeps and Crimes podcast on your Golden Raspberry Award. On your Golden Raspberry Webby. <laughs> Season one. That's you. You suck, bitch. You suck, bitch. Um, the hotel has also debuted in numerous television shows and movies. The pool at the Roosevelt Hotel was featured in a 1955 episode of I Love Lucy when the Ricardos and Martys came to Hollywood. Several scenes from the 1988 film Sunset starring Bruce Willis and James Garner were also filled at the hotel, including a recreation of the 1929 Academy Awards ceremony. Mm. The scene of the 1989 film The Fabulous Baker Boys, where Susie sings Makin' Whoopie while Jack plays piano, was shot at the nightclub in the hotel. That is now Teddy's. Teddy's that is, does not exist. <laughs> it does not exist. Teddy's that I'm pissed off about it still. Um, the hotel's hallway can be seen in episode seven of the 2016 FX true crime anthology television series, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime wow. Story, as a substitute for an Oakland hotel where um, Chris and Marcia spent the night. Oh, wow. 
Other films shot on location at the hotel include Internal Affair, starring Richard Gere, Beverly Hills Cop 2, starring Eddie Murphy, and Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. The TV series Lucifer frequently included the exterior views of the hotel in multiple shots, um, specifically a scene between Lucifer and um, Amani Dayal. How do you say that? Uh, no. I used to watch a show. I've never watched it. It's good. Um, anyway, it's in the first season episode, Take Me Back to Hell, and they're up on top of the... They're on the rooftop? They're on the rooftop <laughs> Wait, with wow. the Roosevelt sign visible. Yeah. Wow. Good wow. for them. Good I'm for so them. glad that they got up there. Good for them because we couldn't. <laughs> we got lost in the freaking elevators trying to figure out where the hell the rooftop access was. Because all these girls were out there taking pictures and we wanted a picture up there. No, we couldn't get up. We needed a key card. And we, and, well, we had a key card, but I don't know why we didn't try it. Because the highest thing that I had up there was the penthouse. But then there was one that didn't have anything on it. And there's like a, a whole thing up there. And we saw that as we we're walking out of the hotel, y'all, to go to the event because we're late at this point. We were like walking out and this girl passes us with the manager. And he's like, here, I'll just show you how to get up there to the rooftop. And we're like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> we're like, we'll go Great. Love that. Um, also, the Marvel's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s episode out of the past features the hotel multiple times throughout the episode. Um, Prince performed five shows at the hotel in 2007, which included a two-hour performance and a post-set jazz jam sesh, probably what? in the library, if I had to guess. If I had to guess. Um, alongside being iconic in television and movie screens, the hotel hosted numerous guests that would mark at this like point in time as history at the Hollywood Roosevelt, specifically Miss Marilyn Monroe. She lived at the hotel for two years early in her career. Um, and she actually did this as part of like getting her break. So I guess a lot of like upcoming models mm -hmm. would stay there to be scouted. Yeah. And Marilyn Monroe was one of them, like to get her big break from the right. Hollywood Roosevelt. And it worked. And like just walking around there, thinking about all of the people that were there constantly during right. that time. Oh my God. I bet that place was like, if you wanted to be seen, if you wanted to be noticed, you, you go that. there. Yeah. yeah. She posed for her first commercial photography shoot by the pool. And that actually was her big break. Oh my God, guys, the pictures are so cute. They yeah. put them all over their Instagram. You guys have to go look. They're everywhere. Um, she and Arthur Miller were said to have met at the hotel's nightclub. Also oh. gone. <laughs> gone. Teddy's yeah, never heard of it. Um, the room Marilyn Monroe stayed in is actually now dubbed the Marilyn Monroe suite. And it's located on the second floor overlooking the pool. And it's a cabana suite. It's a 750 square foot suite that features these like vintage furniture and is one of the most requested rooms at the hotel for good reason. So when Taylor and I went to check in at the hotel, guys, mm -hmm. he was like, we're just, you know, giving our name. It's under it's under hooker. It's under hooker. It's always under hooker. It's under hooker everywhere we go. It's it's under hooker. And he's like, OK, well, I have you guys um, over here. Uh, oh, oh, you're going to be right across from. Marilyn Monroe suite well no at first he was like you guys are in the cabana and I was kind of pissed off because I I booked and I wanted an original room yeah and at this point in time I didn't realize because I know the side of the cabana that Logan and I stayed on the last time was the added on portion yeah it wasn't and the OG it wasn't the OG and so I was like oh no but I didn't say anything obviously because I never would mm -hmm. and so I was like okay and he was like yeah um you guys are right wait hold on tap 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 zoom in zoom in um oh my god ladies i think you're across from the marilyn monroe suite we said huh i was like 
I'm sorry. Who, us? Like the one that's supposed to be like haunted? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's haunted. Are you guys okay with that? And we're like, yeah, that's the only reason we came here. We're actually. like, actually, you can put us in the suite and we'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, that. I was like, is the suite available? <laughs> guys, no, really, yeah, no. we were, no, when we say we were right across, like if we open, when we open our door, it big sign, Marilyn Monroe, right, the door right across from us. Right across from us. Like mm-hmm. it was right across i just don't know i feel like people don't understand guys like but they're like the no we get it like it's across the hall they're like no we it, we understand it's the door across from yours like in a hallway at a you know hotel and it was so dope like everything in that hallway though like had all Marilyn on it like yeah. everywhere um so that's pretty fucking cool basically we were Marilyn monroe basically we were um so also a notable guest is montgomery clift and he stayed at the hotel for three months in 1952 during the filming of from here to eternity wow also, Francis Farmer, he was honored at a party there in 1958, the night she appeared on Ralph Edwards' This Is Your Life movie. Um, Errol Flynn is also rumored to have created his recipe for bootleg gin in a tub at the hotel's barber shop. Whoa. And this is my favorite fact. Shirley Temple learned to do her famous stair step dance routine <gasps> on the hotel stairs. Shut up. I know. My God, when we were walking down the stairs, I literally said, said to Morgan, I said, Morgan, can you imagine the amount of people that have walked down these stairs? Just just being just iconic and as the ever. The floors were so, so slippery. Waxy. We almost ate shit down those <laughs> stairs, which is why we were talking about the stairs so much. Yeah. Oh my God, that makes me want to cry. Yeah, she Wow, guys, we were just existing Temple. in like so much history right then i know we didn't have no idea i wish i would have covered this like before i know i know especially because when i get to like the haunting parts i would have been like fuck we should have really looked out for more but we were so busy we didn't have time yeah we didn't have time Um, also astrologer and author linda goodman who's very very famous wrote several of her books in a suite at the hotel like that's where she got her creativeness from was being at the hollywood rose okay obviously if we want a big break we need to go there no really we just need to keep going to live there forever (laughs) just really kept going back um (laughs) Actress Elizabeth Patterson, who is known for her role in I Love Lucy, lived in the hotel for 35 years during her television career. What? Yeah. Wow, that's really awesome. Um, Some other notable guests include Charlie Chaplin, um, Clark Gable, Max Bayer, Carol Lombard, Mary Martin, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, Mike Posner, Prince, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie. And um, Fitzgerald was the first person to be signed by WME what yeah who's our agency i didn't know that yeah and then after that it was marilyn monroe and then elvis presley okay so we so supposed to go to so we have always been called there and i went literally a week and a half before wme reached out to us that's crazy so basically we belong that is (laughs) yeah we do um also talk show host jimmy kimmel often uses this hotel as a prize for this game that he runs called Hostel La Vista. And what it does is it pits two tourists that are like visiting LA, staying in like a nearby like hostel Mm -hmm. against each other. And in this game, the contestants are asked numerous questions about the city of Los Angeles and the state of California. And the player who gets the most questions right right leaves the hostel and gets to stay at the hotel for the remainder of their stay for free. Which to me is like kind of fucked up. <laughs> that is. Who's in a hostel? What if someone's not in a hostel? Right. I guess they can't play. I guess I'm sure can... they like know who's in a hostel. I- I'm sure that they like um, maybe like advertise it at hostels. Yeah. Like come to Jimmy Kimmel Live and yeah, they. I bet they leave like 
a few spots yeah i guess i don't I just know think it's kind of fucked up yeah that is fucked up <laughs> like you, if you want a chance to stay here and out of your hostel play this game i mean if i would have known right. that we would have gone to jimmy kimmel and just booked a hostel at first yeah yeah uh, i couldn't do it no i would never um, while the hotel was prominent for its famous guests that would stay there it said that a lot of those famous guests still reside there in their afterlife mm. aka this mother is haunted 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 and the most notorious haunting is located in miss marilyn monroe's suite the restless spirit being miss marilyn monroe the queen the icon herself the moment the moment she is and i feel like the world knows a lot about marilyn monroe's life she had a lot of issues going on her personal life alcohol drugs mental health and even her love life all while she was the center of public attention she was the it girl to the the outside eye Um, but people say that her troubled unhappy soul still will roam her old suite as well as other parts of the hotel the most known spotting of her was in this like full length mirror that used to be in her old suite. And I guess she would just be like staring back at you when you're there. She's walking behind you. And the sightings got so bad that the staff was forced to move the mirror elsewhere in the hotel because so many people were terrified to book her suite because she was constantly in the mirror. Where is it at now? I read it was in a hallway. I didn't see a mirror in a hallway. Yeah, I think it's in our which one? the fucking mirror that we were like we love this mirror why do we love this mirror we need to come and get a picture in this mirror directly across from the lounge yeah the spare room that was the only random mirror in the middle of a a hallway oh my god that has to be it yeah i didn't even think of that i was just thinking of our mirror the whole entire time because if marilyn monroe is gonna have a mirror it's gonna be that mirror yeah no you're absolutely right and we were so drawn to that mirror. You're absolutely right. What if she was like, look in here. And every time we were just running past it because we were looking for the rooftop. And, and Teddy's. so late everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Where's Teddy's? Um, she's also been spotted dancing around in the Blossom Ballroom, which, as we know, was the venue of the first ever Academy Awards. So, you guys, I wanted to tell you a little story. And if you saw Taylor's Instagram post, mm-hmm. um, you kind of have like a little glimpse of this story but if not go to her instagram and it's her in the iconic cowboy fit yes cowgirls Cowgirls. um so i'm taking these pictures and i had taylor had just taken pictures of me there was no issue with dust flying around Mm. there was no issue of anything along those sorts and i start taking pictures of taylor and i'm just clicking and i'm watching on my screen all these little things like just flying by like bebopping around like everywhere like a million of them and morgan's like looking at me and looking at the screen I'm like do i look like shit i'm looking outside when the flash goes off to see you know how sometimes when flash lights up you can see the dust in the air like yeah. outside of the camera i'm looking for that i don't see any dust whatsoever nothing at all and then halfway through taking your pictures i'm still spamming the phone i'm like look like what did i say exactly <laughs> You said, I hate to tell you this, but there are orbs everywhere. And I said, okay, well, I'm glad that that's what you had to tell me. Because I was afra- afraid you were going to be like, you look like absolute dick. Get off of that. No, but, really, yeah. they were everywhere. And you guys can see them in the pictures. And it looks like dust, but I swear to God, it was There not. was no- nothing flying around. There we was no sprayed. fan. No, there was no fan. We had turned the fan off because it was making us tired with its like. And there's still, even then, it was like a wall fan. Like, it wasn't yeah. like a ceiling fan. There's no like, like actual like fan blades anywhere. Yeah. We weren't like pushing on anything that was like a bed like when you jump on a bed and some fuzz flies up right it was nothing like, like that. i was on the hardwood floor you were on this on this like like it's not leather, a leather but couch like, but like a like a silky ma- like a scratching material like there was no like cotton or anything yeah there was nothing around and these outfits like they're they were denim 
So it wasn't anything that was flying off of me. And I even like flung my legs around to see if we could get anything moving and that we could see with our eyes. Nothing. There was nothing. And then also, I actually didn't even remember this. So you said it in the intro. What did I say to you about someone walking in the mirror? Oh my God. You don't remember this? I don't. I like blacked out, but I do remember like I'm like glimpsing at it. So to reference our whole entire the entire wall that is along the hallway across from Marilyn Monroe's room was a complete mirror all mirrors like ceiling to floor and it wasn't the type of mirror where it's like a a regular mirror it was um the one that had they look old and vintage so they have the like dots in it and stuff morgan has a picture on her instagram in it yeah it has like the black spots yeah like you can tell what it is and hers is the one with like the flash i think it's like the one directly beside the one with the boot yeah we're gonna go look for the the entrance to the library speakeasy so when we woke up the next morning after we saw all of the orbs we had Morgan sleeps with a TV on and 24/7. I have to have like a fan on as long. I'm OK with anything. being And on. it was so like eerily. You could hear everything. It was so silent in there. But all the walls are thick ass brick. So yeah. it makes no sense as to why you can hear every single thing. Yeah, I don't get that. So Morgan had the TV on really low. And then I had on the fan, which is the like AC fan. So it's just like a low hum mm-hmm. because, you know, I sleep with a fan on and I passed out and I only woke up like once in the middle of the night, but I was pretty much deceased. Morgan woke up every single hour. No, I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. I was like jolting up like out of the bed, like sitting straight up and then like, okay, you you said at one point when you woke up, you caught yourself being like, no, in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then but the second I had I had woken up at like five or something and i had woken morgan up because when i opened my phone it like started playing that tiktok of mine and it was like <laughs> screaming and so i immediately shut my phone down and morgan goes oh i know it was the night before when we were laying in the bed it was yeah it was but you did say when i woke up but like i'm like i'm not kidding you i have blacked out all that i don't know i wasn't drunk i just don't even remember what i no. said but i like do but, okay but when we woke up the next morning when you did say to me taylor i saw people walking in that window all i mean that mirror all night long like just like glimpsing yeah she said that she would just see people passing by like thinking that it was like a window that was open and she kept being like she kept checking to make sure that we shut the blinds and because there was a parking garage right across the street right across the way curtains were like thick gray like they were blackout curtains yeah so you couldn't see anything and then but when we were laying in bed we were on tiktok live that's when it was. That's when it was. We were on TikTok Live and all the lights were off except for the lamps right beside us. Yeah. And Hannah was on there. Hannah Willard. She can attest. And I said to Morgan, or Morgan said to me, Taylor, someone just was standing in the mirror. Yeah. And, and I it was, was just like, like, as quickly as it was there, it was gone. Yeah. And she double taked. Oh my God. We can watch that live back and go look and see if we hear anything. Yeah. And that just makes me think, because I didn't even like put two and two together until the mirror with yeah. Marilyn Monroe sightings. Like, that's yeah, weird. Yeah, that's weird. What if they put it in that fucking room that we were in? What just if across they the hall. Did. And he's like, is it you guys okay with that? Like, you guys good? Gonna see a bitch walking by. <laughs> and we're like, as long as it's Marilyn and she'll spill the tea, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, anyway, yeah, we're gonna look at the live and we'll get back to you on that. Um, another spirit to rest the spirit is Montgomery Clift. In 1958, Montgomery Clift was in a car accident that brought the end of his career in the movie industry. He was never able to completely recover and instead turned to alcohol and mm. drug abuse to make himself feel better. And he really turned to the Hollywood Roosevelt to carry out that 
alcohol and drug abuse during these times. His spirit is said to wander room 928 as well as the ninth floor hallway. And some maids have reported feeling something like cold brushed by them while cleaning. And they have also felt a presence walk beside them. But one of the most freaky experiences came from a guest. And it happened one night while she was in bed reading with her husband beside her. All of a sudden, she felt someone like pat her on the shoulder, like trying to get her attention. Mm -hmm. And she totally thought it was her husband. But when she turned to around to be like, what's up? He was sound asleep. Um, I absolutely lied to you guys. Um, it wasn't Fitzgerald. That was number one. It was absolutely Charlie Chapman. Charlie Chapman. Yeah. I think that was still on my list. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was on your list. You did say, but when you said his name, that's when I recognized that. Sorry. Okay. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, Peter James, a psychic, also spent a night in room 928 and saw Cliff's ghost sitting on a chair in one corner of the room. No. And he watched the spirit for several minutes in that same spot until it finally disappeared. <laughs> the youngest spirit in the hotel is a five-year-old girl named Caroline. Caroline is spotted all over the hotel, and her story is kind of unknown. We're not really sure where she comes from, but she plays around and she roams the hallways, which some psychics will speculate that she's looking for her mother. Mm. Um, people that have spotted her say that she looks like a real alive child wearing like a slow pink jacket and jeans. And even one time she was spotted by a receptionist and Caroline was just skipping around the lobby singing. And the receptionist said that she looked so real that they just simply thought it was a child of a guest. Wow. But it wasn't. It oh, was shit Caroline. My pants. I know. Alongside Caroline, there are numerous unknown entities throughout the hotel. The first being a male entity who was believed to be this actor back in the 1920s. And he is constantly spotted in the Blossom Ballroom while dressed in a black tuxedo. Um, psychics believe that he was this award nominee and possibly an oscar attending who was just very like attached to his career and his dreams mm. and like his ambitions and yeah. stuff um which i think that it probably wasn't it was probably someone that got a um what's it a called a raspberry award a raspberry award and he's like he's i'm just gonna fucking off. haunt the shit out of this place like <laughs> he's like i'm gonna sit right here until they bring the oscars back and then i'm gonna make a name for myself yeah also in the ballroom is another male ghost um also in a tuxedo that can be spotted playing the piano um some guests were exploring when they heard the began piano begin to play and when they looked over the balcony so like they were up at the top like looking like mm -hmm. exploring like they weren't on the bottom level when they looked over the balcony they saw this man wearing this white tuxedo on the keyboard playing but as soon as they saw him he disappeared just as quickly wow. um there's also a spirit that roams the pool late at night and when the pool is closed the entity has been spotted in the pool at a cabana and at the poolside bar and i even saw that they had hotel footage of someone swimming in the hotel pool and then when like security came because security was like the pool's fucking closed like, yeah get out of there when they came nobody was there and i looked high and dry for this footage but i could not find it i so, wonder what he looks like did, did it have like a description of what it he had like? no nothing but i was looking i just want to see the footage yeah if they're saying this footage then you think it would be something that then went pull viral the footage up. like yeah. pull it up you know um, I don't know, but I think that the hotel has just seen like has been such this like strong emotional attachment for so many people, even us. Like I'm yeah. like obsessed with it right now. Yeah, you know? no, literally. Like we were really drawn. I mean, to I've it. stayed there twice, and I've only been to yeah. LA twice. Like you'd think that we'd go stay somewhere else. And I literally told Morgan, I was like, I just don't. We looked at four different hotels, and I was like, I just keep coming back to the Roosevelt. I just want us to go there. Yeah, and like even me, I've been there one time, but I feel like 
the whole entire time we were there i don't know it was just some sort of like emotional attachment that's hard to under- yeah. understand but i think that's why so many spirits choose to spend their afterlife yeah. there it's know. a peaceful place too yeah it's a really just like everything about it like all the tones on the walls it's like absolutely very like not ambient yeah it is they're not seafoam green like not at all at no whoever <laughs> did that in the 50s is <laughs> they're burning in the hollywood rose about hell right now yeah and on that note i want you to tell them your little theory about marilyn monroe oh my god you want me to say that i do <laughs> okay so guys whenever maureen and i started talking about this we were actually talking with, about it with sabrina at dinner and we were mainly discussing about how I we both wanted Morgan to cover it for this episode. And I was thinking about doing Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, I can't do that to Arletta. We promised her that we would wait and yeah. do it with her. So either way, we had just been talking about it. And I told Morgan, you know, the fact that they use every single marketing picture that they could, that they can of Marilyn Monroe to this day like this isn't this has been going on since that first poolside cabana shoot, shoot on the diving board that Her is no longer break, there yeah. that big break has been what has been used by the hollywood roosevelt forever and then that's where she As chooses key marketing i mean you look yes up the hollywood roosevelt and it's like marilyn monroe lived there for two years yes da, 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 da. Like, and then you get on their instagram it's every other picture is a picture of marilyn monroe in like in the time that it was taken compared to where it is now yeah and like just basically showing that it's still the exact same and it that's really awesome but on the flip side of this i told morgan i said think about like all of these you know advertisements and product placement and what we know about why certain celebrities stay at places or endorse right. staying at places because for the most part they're not going to tell you where they're staying but when they do you know why they're doing it because they're getting paid to stay there right exactly so it's not that it's free for them it's that they're getting not only a free place to stay but they're getting paid yeah so i wouldn't be I would not be surprised if they paid Marilyn to take her break there. And it was because of the amazing marketing that they had when she was a nobody that turned in them to like a million dollar pictures. Right. And having this And the crazy hotel, marketing. like it really wasn't like, yeah, it like caught a lot of attraction, but right. it wasn't until Marilyn Monroe became right. a big deal that the hotel really went on this like boom and think enterprise. About, yeah. you, you know, if we really, if it wasn't that Marilyn Monroe is their only way to market, then why wouldn't they be talking about the Oscars? Like, why wouldn't we get exactly. there? And the first thing that they say to us is, this, this is, is the, the very first Oscar award ceremony here right in this ballroom and that's not the number one that you see on there no and, w- and we even clicked through the history of the hotel and that wasn't even the number yeah. one shirley temple Sh- nothing nothing none of that it was marilyn monroe marilyn monroe and so i told morgan this is kind of dark but <laughs> if every if there's everything that we know about la and i think a lot has to do with like cecil hotel kind of vibes. yep and we had Hellmouth. we had already been talking about Hellmouth that day with our amazing waitress at the yeah, um, we malibu were. pier and we we were talking about this and i said morgan i wouldn't be surprised if people like this now take the illuminati out of it like selling mm-hmm. your soul or whatever yeah. what if instead of selling your soul they trap your soul to haunt certain places like you sign something over like when I die, I'll come back here because they know the afterlife exists mm-hmm. because they're they know, Hollywood. They know more than we do. Right. Yeah. And they basically force you to take your afterlife residency at these locations, which is why they market so huge that these people are here because it doesn't even make sense. Marilyn didn't even die there. Why would she go why back? Why would she go back? Why would she go back to a place that she took her break at? And a lot of those people, like, I mean. And that break didn't work for her. Like, it was a traumatic break for her, actually. Right. Like, the Cliff guy or whatever his mm-hmm. name was, like, he didn't die there either. No. And he's still, like, roaming the hotel. Like, I just, I don't. 
I don't get it. So it's Me like, either. do they, are they trapping their souls there? And it's not even like, maybe it's not even at the consent of the person's soul that's being trapped there. Maybe they, like their agents sign over a contract after they die and say, okay, who's going to bid the most to have her ghost pop there? Great. We're going to seal her soul into these walls. So fucked up, dark, twisted. So dark ass, twisted <laughs> ass shit. Twisted. Sick we and twisted. Are. We I love are. it. But we're going to do a whole entire Marilyn Monroe special yeah. eventually, but we're going to have Miss Arletta with us. Yeah, we have to have Miss Arletta. She is the queen of Marilyn Monroe. And so is Lexi. I, that so would be another Lexi. great person to have on here for that. So anyways, we'll do that eventually. But Morgan, I loved it. Thanks. I loved even more that we stayed there. I know. I wish I would have covered it. But actually, no, I don't. Because no. then we wouldn't have so much to talk about and like our own input. Yeah. But I actually watched a lot of YouTube vlogs on like people going ghost hunting mm -hmm. there and stuff. And I just like I specifically clicked on these two girls that reminded me of us. Mm -hmm. And um, the, throughout the whole entire thing, they're like, did you see that? And then it would like they'd cut screen and mm. then they'd like it'd be back to their face. We just saw this, this and this. I'm like, show it. Show you have it. cameras. Both of you have cameras. Whatever you saw, I'm sure you got it on camera. Yeah. But then again, I'm like us and I'm like, oh, well, we we didn't get shit on camera. Well, but we, I think if we would have set the intentions to be like, if you're here, show yourself. Kind right. Of and we literally we said, don't have. show yourself to us. We, we don't did. Have time. That was the very first thing we said. We're like, not this weekend. We'll not come back. I, we literally said to them, we like got out loud and we said, we'd love to see all you guys but just not not right now we're gonna come back we would love to come back next time we go back we should stay in Marilyn Monroe's and do a ghost hunt I think so too so Hollywood Roosevelt we will be back now 100% Taylor what do you have for us today okay today I'm going to be covering a case that is a little different and you're in a way trying kind of getting a trifecta Ooh. because this is very much a true crime conspiracy and I've heard many other true crime podcasts cover this in terms of the true crime side of it, but they very probably smartly leave out the conspiracies because <laughs> they don't want they don't want the drama that comes with it, and for good reason. But they like to live. <laughs> they like to live. But but I want to do this because a we're a conspiracy podcast. Um, B I've never ever heard half of these before. C this case is still unsolved to this day Shit. for no good reason so today i'm going to be covering the case of don henry and kevin ives or better known as boys on the track Crap. so i'm so excited this one is pretty much a infamous case um but at the same time like i said there's a lot that is constantly left out so i'm just gonna jump right into it but before i do trigger warning for train associated deaths and i tell you that because that's actually something for me and then also talks about hunting i'm gonna have to go into like a lot of detail about hunting forms and tactics okay then conspiracies and political conspiracies which is my main trigger warning for all of this if that's something that you're not comfortable with please just know that they're conspiracies and theories so there's nothing that i'm saying in here that's completely like my opinion on anything i'm not trying to fear monger or add any fire fuel to any fire of any sort um anyways let's just go into it at around 4 a.m. in the early morning hours of Sunday, August 23, 1987, a Union Pacific freight train was more than a mile long with 75 cars and making its normal run to Little Rock, Arkansas. Typically, this ride was easy for the crew. Despite the late night slash early morning hours, it was pretty much just smooth sailing. Per usual, the engineer, Stephen Scheuer, approached the small town of Bryant, Arkansas, but he noticed as he was coasting through Alexander that there was something on the tracks ahead. 
He was unable to make out exactly what it was he was seeing, but as he got closer and closer, he realized it was two teenage boys. They looked to be partially covered by a green tarp, and they were lying motionless across the tracks, directly in the train's path. Oh, no. He threw the train into emergency stop, pulling as hard as he could on all of the whistles and horns, but he knew it was too late. The train would not stop in time. It was too heavy. It was 6,000 tons going a steady 52 miles per hour. With that speed and that weight, Stephen knew that the train would have to travel a full half mile before halting. But the boys were just 300 feet in front of him. Stephen screamed, pulled all of the warning sounds that he could, and braced himself for the inevitable horrific scene that was about to unfold. It felt like an eternity, but in reality, it was just three seconds before the train hit the two boys. Immediately, the train's crew reported the incident to local law enforcement and railroad officials. By 4.40 a.m., police arrived at the scene. The crime scene investigators were able to locate a 22 caliber rifle and a flashlight lying beside the boys on the tracks. And, because of how quickly word spread, identify these two victims. They were 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives. So young. I know. They were both seniors at Bryant High School, very well known to their community, their peers, and they were best friends. The two loved working on their cars, hunting, and hanging out with each other. Don was known as the comedian of the two, and Kevin was his number one hype man, always there to give him a great cackle after every single joke. Their girlfriends were also best friends, and the four of them would go on double dates every single weekend. It's terrible. On the night before, Saturday, August 22nd, 1987, Don and Kevin had met up with a group of friends at the commuter parking lot at their school to hang out, which was a super common gathering spot for the local teenagers at the time. Yeah, for sure. They stayed there until around midnight before going back to Don's house. The two decided that they wanted to go spotlighting, which is a form of night hunting where one would shine a light in the animal's eyes, basically putting the prey into a trance, and the other one would fire the gun. Now, at this time, and still today, spotlighting is illegal in Arkansas, other than for bullfrogs and fur bears during season. Fur bears. I don't know what that is. I read it online. My, my dad spotlights, but he doesn't hunt. He's just a scouting. Yeah, just scouts. Um, and that I think it is allowed for you to scout with a spotlight in season in Arkansas, but I don't think that you can hunt with them. But um, he goes inside the house and he asks his father, Curtis Henry, if it was okay that the two did this and borrowed one of his spotlights. Because though it was illegal, it was very common that people yeah. did this because it had recently become illegal. I think illegal. it's also called like poaching or something. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know. I just read the laws about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't know anything about hunting, but. I would expect you to be I think it, about it's that. something yeah. like that like drive by like whenever they would just shoot out of the car it's illegal ev almost everywhere yeah it's illegal everywhere to do it with a spotlight from the highway from what I read yeah. other than in one random state which people there was a whole reddit forum you're about supposed this. to not even be allowed to like shoot out of your car because it's so fucking dangerous you yeah don't know it's what's horrifically in your line dangerous right where you're shooting and you're moving which means right. your bullet is also moving in that same direction right and it wasn't like that they were even driving in the car while they were doing it they actually were going into the woods to do it and just like walk around as they did so okay so they're spotlighting that i'm discussing because i do know a lot of people associate spotlighting with being in your car mm -hmm. and i just didn't think to call that out but yeah 
Um, so either way, though it was extremely common, they went in to ask Curtis, who was Don's father, if this would be okay and it would be okay if they borrowed one of his spotlights. And Curtis said that it was totally fine as long as they were careful. Don told his dad where they were going, which was their usual hunting grounds behind Don's house at the base of Bryant Hill along the railroad tracks. And the two left his house at around 12.15 a.m. with his dad's spotlight and Don's 22. The state medical examiner, Dr. Fami Malik, ruled Don and Kevin's deaths as accidental as a result of marijuana intoxication. And I know that sounds crazy, but... Yeah, it really yeah. does. Okay, so this is what he said he found. He stated that the boys, according to their toxicology report, had smoked the equivalent of 20 joints and fell asleep on the tracks, determining that they were likely in a deep weed-induced sleep, which is why they did not hear the train's whistle and horns. Oh, my god! And why they didn't wake up to the vibrations on the tracks as the train approached. So there was no signs of them being, like, pinned down or anything mm -mm. tied not to Not according tracks. to the crime scene investigators or the medical examiner. And right after these findings came out, they closed Don and Kevin's case officially. It was accidental. That was it. But this made absolutely no sense. No. They were just literally yards away from Don's house, number one. And if they were done hunting, which it was clear that they were because their gun and spotlight was found laying directly beside them on the tracks, why would they not just go back to Don's house to smoke and sleep? Right. And why would two teenage boys be lying directly beside each other on the tracks to smoke when there were tons of trees, hills, and rocks nearby that were probably a lot more comfortable? They also knew when the trains came through because you could literally hear them from Don's house. I mean, there's a railroad track right beside me, and I know what time the trains come through. Right. And it, they knew that one would be coming in the next few hours, so why would they even take that chance, especially if they're smoking 20 joints while they're sitting there? But I also find that hard to believe. Right. And first off, if you're smoking 20 joints, That's that would take you hours, hours, and you would be so paranoid that you wouldn't be anywhere near a fucking track. railroad track. Yeah. I mean, good God, really, though. But what is even more odd is exactly how their bodies were laying. Don and Kevin were parallel to each other on the railroad tracks. Their legs were lying across the rails at their knees and their torsos were sitting between the tracks, like in the gravel, and their arms were directly at their sides. Ooh, okay. If you're chilling, smoking 20 dubs, right. you're, you're not, not laying in a formal position. No. Your hands are behind your back, one's on your stomach, you're, right. you know, chilling, and there's no signs of weed on or around them. So if you're smoking 20 dubs, you're going to have some buds. And you're going to have some res on your fingers. Right. You're going to have a lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on here. And Curtis, Don's father, is adamant that the position of Don's wood handle 22 caliber rifle was the most telling sign to him that something was absolutely off. According to the crime scene photos and investigators at the scene, it was lying on the gravel. Don's most prized possession, which he took extremely great care of, I'm talking polishing the wood and the barrel after every use, is lying on the gravel. If you know anything about a wood-handled gun, Scratch. if you put that on gravel, it's immediately ruined. Like, it's yeah. scratched up. He would never have laid it there because he knew it would get scratched up. Not to mention, no matter how under the influence you are of weed, 
There is no way that, number one, a train honking with a whistle and all that noise that's coming at you isn't going to scare the living shit out of you and literally rip you, you out of a dead Whatever sleep. trance you're in. Yeah. Right. Immediately. And number two, a 6,000 ton train going 52 miles per hour won't shake the ground so hard and vibrate, vibrate the tracks so violently that you wouldn't at least flinch. Right. Because engineer Steven, who saw them at first, said in a quote, I started lying down on the diesel horn and I got no reaction, none at all. There was not so much as even a flinch. They were just passed out and we just passed over them. End quote. Oh, I feel so bad for him. I know. But just like Stephen, Don and Kevin's parents had a very hard time believing about these findings, anything about them. Something was not right. On top of all of this, the boys' parents had never seen their sons high, smelt weed on them, or even considered that their sons were that hard into drugs where they would smoke 20 dupes. Right. Like, you would have to literally be... And the other only form of them doing that would be edibles. And to get the equivalence of 20 gram or 20, 20 blunts yeah. out of edibles, you're eating a whole pack of like 15, 100 milligram edibles. Like right. That's insane. Right. Like that, that is an extremely, we just, you don't consume weed like that. No. No, you don't. Even like the biggest stoners of all time. Like I'm sure if we went and tested Snoop Dogg, Dog. we might get there, but we'd probably only be at 15 at the yeah. most, like 20. 20 dupes. Are you joking? Yeah. And it was clear to pretty much everyone that this investigation was rushed. Larry, Kevin's father, then hired a private investigator to get to the bottom of this. Because in addition to everything that we just discussed, law enforcement officials were being so weird. And it even got more suspicious when the family hired this PI. With the help of the PI, the families found that through sound checking... At the location that the boys were struck by that train, at that specific speed, weight, and time of day, it was 98 decibels, which is the equivalent to being directly beside an air compressor that's running or a jackhammer. Holy crap. It seemed like every time their PI had a question, got a lead, or found something new, he was met with resistance from many different levels of law enforcement authorities. Okay, when a PI is constantly getting shut down, you know something's, something's up. up. They refuse to cooperate, consider any of the discoveries, or change their opinions about the case, which were very clear was wrong, considering every single thing that they were finding. Right. Forcing the families to have to fight for their son's cases to be reopened and properly investigated. But they had to play this right. They gathered all of this evidence, and five months after Don and Kevin's death, the parents held a press conference in January of 1988. Basically, with the goal of publicly calling out the authorities for this botched and suspicious investigation. So they had no choice other than to reopen the case. And it worked. The day after the press conference, the newly appointed prosecutor, Richard Garrett, reopened the investigations officially. And had Kevin and Don's bodies exhumed for a second autopsy to be performed by field expert, Dr. Joseph Burton, who was the Atlanta State Medical Examiner. So for Georgia. Now, during the second autopsy, Dr. Burton made many case-breaking discoveries, like the first one being, to Dr. Burton, it was absolutely clear, according to all of the evidence that he uncovered, that Dr. Malik did not follow proper procedures when conducting the boy's initial autopsies, specifically concerning Kevin's skull. 
Malik had mutilated his skull by sawing it in many different directions. What? Yeah. The second discovery was that the boys' toxicology reports actually indicated that they had not smoked 20 joints, but maybe between one and three, which is exactly what all of their friends who had been with them in the commuter lot just hours before their deaths had said in their official statements. And Dr. Burton, along with many other medical professionals, stated that it was highly unlikely, if not impossible, for a person to be that incapacitated from smoking weed, and in addition to this, for it to happen to two people at the exact same time. And if they were smoking, so what those friends in the commuter lot were saying is that they were smoking then yeah, at the commuter lot. At the commuter so that lot. was hours before. You smoke a couple joints hours before, you're now coming down. You're coming down. And you're very much so coherent and would know if a train was coming. Right, and it's not like we can even allege that they might have been laced with something because they were smoking them with these people in the commuter lot. So they right. were all smoking the same weed. Yeah. So if, if it was going to be that bad, then there would have been 19 different teenagers that were KO'd right. in different locations hours later when they were coming down. Yeah. That makes no sense. No. Specifically, this finding was reported by Dr. James C. Garrett in March of 1988. And at the time, he was the chief toxicologist for Bexar County in Texas for the Forensic Science Center there in San Antonio, formerly the same for Dallas County, Texas from 1970 to 1982, as well as a professor of pathology and pharmacology at the University of Texas Health and Science Center in both Dallas and San Antonio. Wow. Right. Big shot. Like literally high, well-known high up yeah. in his field. But Dr. Burton's third finding is what really changed everything about the boy's case. Don's shirt contained evidence of a stab wound to his back with an apparent stab wound found from a large knife in his shoulder blade. Okay. And Kevin's skull. And they just missed that? Mm -hmm. But this is what's really interesting. So remember how I told you it was clear that he like sawed Kevin's yeah, like skull really it. weird. Yeah. Well, after reconstructing this, his skull, they discovered that Kevin's skull had been crushed by what looked to be the handle of the 22. Oh, shit. Along with congestion in both Don and Kevin's lungs, a.k.a. clear signs that one or both of them had been either dead or knocked unconscious prior to the train hitting them all of which had not been reported by Dr. Malik in his initial autopsy reportings. And it was clear that this was a cover-up. These are false reportings. Right, absolutely. In July of 1988, these findings were presented to a grand jury and they reversed Dr. Malik's original findings of the accidental deaths, officially ruling Don and Kevin's deaths as, quote, probable homicides, end quote. Dr. Richard Garrett then focused on this green tarp that I mentioned just in passing in the beginning. You know how I told you whenever Stephen, the engineer, was approaching them, one of the main things he noticed was this giant light green tarp that was partially covering the boys' bodies. And not only did he see it, but four other crew members also reported seeing this covering the boys' bodies, starting with finding out where the hell this tarp was is where Richard started because he had never heard a single thing about this tarp. And he saw it with his own eyes. Yeah, uh, Stephen did and so did four other people on this train. But there was literally no sign of it. It had not been brought in as uh, a piece of evidence found at the scene 
and it was not in any of the reports. And in addition to this, when he asked police about this, they were like, there was not a single thing there. It was never there. There's no tarp. It must have been an illusion. Oh, okay. Because now he probably smoked 20 doobies too. Right. Is that what they're saying? But according to the train's crew, including Steven, they said questioning the existence of this tarp was like questioning the existence of the boys' bodies being on the track that It was day. there. It was there. And when police arrived, the crew saw investigators move it and take it and handle it. Yet police, who searched the scene, denied that the crew ever told them about this tarp and that there was even one there. Richard Garrett fully believed Stephen and his crew members. Why would they lie about a tarp and continue to be adamant about its existence? But still, it was never found. What? Don and Kevin's parents told Richard Garrett that neither one of their sons owned a green tarp. So whose was it? Who covered them up? And why did someone cover them up? All questions that Richard Garrett was searching for answers to when he got a massive lead. A witness came forward claiming that just one week before Kevin and Don were killed, a man wearing a military uniform was spotted on that area of the tracks that the boys were found. But it wasn't the man's uniform or his passing by that caught this witness's attention. It was his odd and suspicious behavior. So much so that this witness actually called police to have them come check out this guy. When police officer Danny Allen responded to the call and stopped to question this man, Officer Allen began approaching him in his patrol car when the man began firing at the officer. What? Officer Allen immediately radioed in for backup, but before he could even get out of his car, the man was gone. Five minutes later, Saline County officers arrived at the scene and performed an extensive area search for this man, but he was never located. What? Well, on the night that Kevin and Don were killed, witnesses reported seeing that same man in the same military uniform leaving town and heading down the road, which was less than 200 yards away from the location that the boys' bodies were found on the tracks. And again, no one was able to identify him or recognize this description of the man or locate him. It was another dead end. Richard Garrett was only weeks into this reinvestigation when it seemed as if every single thing was going cold. Any lead, any tip, any avenue that he went down in this investigation was like getting cut off. But at the six-week mark, he found something. And it was another case that had taken place just 200 miles west of Little Rock in Hogden, Oklahoma, just three years prior. On June 25, 1984, two young men, 21-year-old Billy Hainline and 26-year-old Dennis Decker, were ran over and killed by a train on a stretch of the Kansas City Southern Railroad. Just like Kevin and Don, the train's engineer reported that the two were absolutely motionless as they honked and braked and screamed for the men to move. The young men's autopsies found that their BAC were nearly the legal limit and ruled their deaths as accidental as a result of their drunkenness. So instead of marijuana, this this duo This time is... they're drunk. And they stated that due to the level of alcohol in their systems, they likely plas- passed out on the tracks and did not hear the train as it was approaching them or feel it. And their manner of death was actually ruled to be unknown because there were some signs of foul play. 
In July of 1985, Billy and Dennis's case was reopened and investigators focused on the possibility that drugs could have been involved. Because just one month after their deaths in August of 1984, a clandestine methamphetamine laboratory was discovered just a mile and a half north of the tracks where they were killed, leading people to believe that they may have stumbled upon something or seen something that they weren't, weren't supposed, supposed to. to. But investigators from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation and a grand jury found that there were no actual signs or solid evidence leading to foul play, maintaining the original findings of being accidental. Just like in Don and Kevin's case, though, Dennis and Billy were discovered lying in the exact same positions, directly beside each other, knees over the rails, torsos between the tracks, and their arms directly <gasps> at their sides. Because of this, along with all of the other evidence that we had just discussed, Richard Garrett believed that Kevin and Don were absolutely murdered. Their attacker likely incapacitated Don by stabbing him unexpectedly in the back before grabbing his gun from him and using it to hit Kevin in the cheek, knocking him out. Then the attacker likely knocked out Don if he was still able to fight back before moving both of their bodies to the railroad tracks, covering them up with a tarp and then covering all of his tracks. But who would do this to them and why would they be targeted? And this is the PI that grouped both of those together? No, this is the prosecutor that reopened their case for the second okay. investigation. Okay. Yeah, he had just been elected and was like, yeah, something's not right with this. Absolutely. Let's okay. open it. Yeah, so again, like, why would they be targeted? Because obviously this was a targeted attack. It wasn't at random. Right. Well, when you look at Dennis and Billy's case and compare the two to Don and Kevin's, maybe they saw something that they were not supposed to. Richard Garrett had this in mind as he went through every single tip and lead that had come in about the boy's case. When he came across a few anonymous tips that had come in to the telecenter. All of which suggested that Kevin and Don were murdered by drug traffickers after they stumbled upon something that they shouldn't have. This was a solid theory because it was commonly known that the area that they were found was the location of many drug trafficking routes through Bryant and Saline County. All of which were connected to larger groups from other countries and states. Like cartels. Mm-hmm. And the area they were discovered was known as a main drop location for drugs that were being flown out of Mena Airport in Arkansas, which was just 100 miles and some change to the west of Bryant, directly between the location of the case from three years prior with Dennis and Billy and Shit. Kevin and Don's case. To pilots who knew about this operation, the area that the boys were found in Bryant was known as Drop Location A1. It had a fucking name. Oh my God. And this was you all You can't connected. tell me the police didn't fucking know this. <laughs> this was all connected to the infamous commercial pilot turned major drug smuggler for the Medellin Colombian cartel, Barry Seal or Fat Man. Shit. Just a year before Kevin and Don's death in February of 1986, Barry Seal was murdered by contract killers hired by the cartel he had worked for. Only after he had became an informant for the DEA and the CIA. Yet, Richard Garrett knew that SEAL's drug trafficking was still operating in the area with top secret teams working its case. 
which would explain why this case was so rushed and botched and hush-hushed. Undercover agents and informants were likely involved. It was a cover-up. And it was one that they had no way of exposing without getting themselves killed because of how high up this investigation and operation ran. In late December of 1988, the grand jury investigating this case released their final report, stating that Kevin and Don's deaths were absolutely a result of foul play. However, they did not issue any indictments regarding their deaths, but Kevin and Don's manner of deaths were officially changed from probable homicide to definite homicide. In 1995, the investigation into Don and Kevin's murders were officially closed and deemed unsolved. But for years, their families have continued pushing, and with the help of filmmakers, researchers, and independent investigators, they have made great progress and many discoveries, like evidence that suggests that Kevin and Don may have witnessed a drug deal that involved top state officials that was said and maybe reported to have gone down that night at A1 and Bryant, specifically involving two sheriff deputies for Saline County, Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane. Linda, Kevin's mother and producer, Patrick Matrincina, Sienna, which we're going to go with M, released the film Obstruction of Justice in 1996, in which they detailed the botched investigation, the drug rings that were connected to Saline County with the Mina Airport, and the cover-up involving police naming Campbell and Lane as the alleged killers of Don and Kevin. What? Well... Campbell and Lane then very successfully sued um, the film's producer, Patrick M., but they did not come up with this theory on their own. In fact, they were tipped off by former Saline County attorney Dan Harmon, who had investigated the boys' case and presented his findings to the grand jury in which he named Campbell and Lane as suspects. However, not long after this, Harmon was arrested and convicted on federal drug and racketeering charges. What the fuck? But what is interesting about this, though, is who investigated Harmon in these charges. It was Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane. Wait, what? They claim... So it's just a tit-for-tat, back-and-forth battle. They claim that Harmon must have learned about their investigation into them and named him, named both of them as suspects in his investigation and findings in order to taint their credibility and hinder their investigation into him. Then, Harmon's ex-girlfriend reportedly told investigators and Kevin's mother, Linda, that Harmon and two other men were absolutely responsible for the murders of Don and Kevin, yet he was never, ever named a suspect or charged. In August of 2016, Linda sued the United States over Freedom of Information Act request, hoping to force eight federal agencies and three Arkansas law enforcement agencies to produce any documents that they had on her son's case. A federal judge then dismissed many of the agencies that were listed, but ordered that three of them turn over any and all documents to him. After they were handed over to Linda and her attorneys, they reviewed them but did not find anything in these documents relating to the murders at all. In January of 2018, Billy Jack Haynes, who was a former wrestler, came forward claiming that he had witnessed the murders of Kevin and Don, saying that, okay guys, this is where we get into the conspiracy, 
All right. Theories. Theories. I'm my favorite part. Saying that he was hired by, quote, a corrupt Arkansas politician, end quote, to provide, quote, muscle at an Arkansas drug stop. Many do not see Haynes as being a reliable witness, specifically the feds, but many people have agreed that he is absolutely telling the truth. So why are they trying to strip him of his credibility? Well, the corrupt politician that he is referring to is Bill Clinton. What? Who was the governor of Arkansas at the time that the boys were killed. What the fuck? Which okay. brings us back to Barry Seal. My eyes are wide open. You know how I told you that he was an informant? Yes. For the CIA and the DEA? So the CIA is kind of like, we, you know, obviously you don't know who the hell is a CIA informant. So that's just kind of suggested. Speculated. But speculated, yes. But DEA is for positive on records that can be pulled. This is true. He was arrested in 1984 in Florida for laundering money and smuggling quaaludes, for which he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for. But somehow, he was able to set up a meeting between himself and two members of Vice President George H.W. Bush's Drug Task Force. According to the Spartacus Educational, in this meeting, Seal told these agents that the Colombian cartel that he had been running for had just struck a deal with the Nicaragua group called Marxist Sandinistas and in this deal the Colombian cartel took a cut of their profits and gave this to their this group who were members of the socialist political organizations in their country but why did they do this well because the Colombian cartel wanted access to this airstrip for drug runs now, this information was amazing at the time because President Ronald Reagan was super paranoid about another communist government rising in the Western Hemisphere. So, in exchange for this information, Seal's sentence was reduced to six months of probation and he was enlisted as an undercover agent for the DEA, not an informant, an Shut undercover up. agent. But additional records suggest and Seal's story reveals that the CIA, DEA, and State Department had been involved in all of these drug trafficking operations in which they illegally supplied international countries with weapons. Also in these findings and reports, it is suggested that Barry Seal and teams, uh, well after his death, were using double agents to attempt tying Bill Clinton to the drug smuggling conspiracies. And you know who also has ties to Clinton and Jocelyn Elders, who was the head of the state's Department of Health under Clinton? Epstein. No, Dr. <laughs> Fahmy Malik. Oh, shit. The Me, Epstein. Epstein. No, the guy who had performed the first, first autopsy, autopsies, the medical yeah. examiner for Arkansas. Now, that doesn't explain why he would falsify these findings, but what is concerning is that both Bill Clinton and elders had the authority to and cause to remove him from office, but instead they continued to support him and even gave him a $32,000 pay raise. What? After he falsified findings in a case and was called out for it. Publicly. Publicly and by a grand jury. And do you know how much a, that pay raise is? $32,000. That's a hell of a pay raise. I'm like, yeah, 12 cents. Woo! But also, then Dr. Joseph Burton, Burton, I'm sorry, who had called out Dr. Malik's false reports and did the second autopsy, 
was sent to prison after being indicted by the DEA with seven others in February of 2018 for conspiring to illegally distribute opioid painkillers. What? And, guys, that is just the tip of the iceberg with this. The tip of the iceberg. There is so much more involved with Don and Kevin's case. I mean, I'm talking half of the people who were involved in the investigations, the trials, the witnesses, the people prosecuting, the people defending, the people who were in the juries have pretty much all been sent to prison for drug trafficking charges. So much so. This was all fabricated after the fact. Right. That I'm actually considering literally covering bury seal next week so we can go deeper into this case and morgan and i do a double on it but i'm scared (laughs) i'm talking about a lot of crossover that even involves paula rue from rx limited which i covered on patreon as part two of barry and honey sherman's murders what yeah and there might be too much sensitive i guess is the best word to put content that I don't know that we could put this just like with RX Limited on a public, public platform. Platform, but it would have to be something that we determined after researching. So if we did it, it's either going to come out next week or it will come out also next week on December first for Patreon. I would love to know. So the other boys, they were found on also railroad, correct? Also, so also how far does that railroad stretch? I mean across. I think it's both. I think they were both on a stretch of the Kansas City um, railway railway. I would love to know, like, just keep diving back and deeper and like whatever that railroad connects to, like how many it's the Mina airport that it connects to. And why be so careless to stage them the same way on the railroad? Because they they probably had to to alert the informants who were probably going to pull up at the scene that this was this was me. This was our Cover people. It. Cover it up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I got some things to say, but I can't say that shit on here. I know. And Richard Garrett passed away at 73. Then Linda, Kevin's mom, who has been like the freaking star of pushing this, yeah. passed away in December. I mean, I'm sorry, in uh, summer of 2021. Like at normal, like old ages or like? I mean, older but like younger okay and then, all natural death though i believe so and then kevin's sister who was helping his mother linda their mother linda passed away at 53 years old just three months after her mother passed away oh fuck and richard garrett the prosecutor who yeah what's uncovered he? what what was going on and then backed out and closed the case he reported that he was so scared Never said like what was happening, but stuff was happening to him that he never carried firearms with him because he's a prosecutor. He started carrying like multiple firearms on him. Who is in charge of like unraveling this? Like what department in the country is in charge of like the FBI? Because the FBI has charged the CIA for shit before. So but if the FBI is also corrupt if they're involved in it, which they probably would be because of these massive drug trafficking rings that involve the fucking two different cartels that I'm talking about. That's why we have to go into Barry Seal because for you to understand the magnitude of what they uncovered, we've got to go into who Barry Seal was. He was a commercial airline pilot for America. I don't I've remember heard which, of him. Oh, yeah, because I knew Fat Man. The second I saw Fat Man, yeah. I was like, oh, I know who this is because I've heard about him in songs, too. Yeah, and he's also in a lot of, I feel like he's a in lot a of ton documentaries of movies. and stuff. Yeah. Like, 
and Obstruction of Justice, which was the documentary that Linda and Patrick M. made about this case specifically, dove into all of this and in which they brought forward three other pilots that gave the name A1 up and were involved in it. And they were like, this absolutely happened. They were caught in the crossfires of a drug drop and got killed for what they saw because of who was there. And the wrestler which makes you think that they would have recognized who the fuck was there for the drug drop i mean yeah this is a super small town at the time it only had like five maybe five five something like five thousand five hundred population in bryant yeah and all these were super super small towns holy shit yeah I mean, there is so much. And there's this other documentary that I want to watch. Guys, when I started looking into this case, the reason I looked into it is because I was just scrolling through our suggestions and I pulled up an article on it and I just read through an article about the case. It didn't have any of the conspiracies or anything. And I recognized the magnitude of where you were going. Right. And I, I was like, oh, I've heard this case on, I think it was Crime Junkie. Like literally not too long ago i listened to crime junkie cover it and i was like well i know that they recently covered it like why would i do this so i just kept reading these articles and i stumbled upon one which by the way they're all linked in the show notes if you guys want to go read for yourselves i was literally like what the hell what the fuck have i just pulled up on because I literally called Morgan. I was like, what are you covering? She was like, we've already discussed this. It's the Hotel Roosevelt, um, the Hollywood Roosevelt. I'm covering that. And I was like, "Uh, okay, well, when I do my case today, we've got a lot we've got to do. Because I want to I want to investigate this. Yeah, carry this on. I want to keep going because this is this is crazy. And it's still just like sitting still right now. Yeah. Like they haven't gotten any further than where you just ended. Nothing. Not since Linda passed away. Wow. Yeah. The last thing was is that And they she, hope that people forget and mm-hmm. move on. And then there's people like you and me that and don't like, allow Hi. that. And then the next thing you know, someone's knocking on our door. Surprise, like, motherfucker. Arrested. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. But like the names of, the, I mean, guys, I was literally reading this and I thought I was, I so I was reading this one article and I, I think it's the, um, oh God, it starts with a P. Uh, it's in the show notes. It's the one that starts with a P. Either way, I was reading this article and it's kind of set up like chapters. And the author was discussing that he was from Mina and he was talking about like how small it is and da 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 da. And I was like, what the what the hell does Mina have to do with this? This happened in Bryant. And then then I'm like reading. I like scrolled down and be like, am I on the right case? And then it's like Bill Clinton um, and, fat man, and that's CIA. Another thing. This happened when Bill Clinton was just governor. Yeah, just governor. And this. What do you think the magnitude of it was after the fact that he got in office? Well, Barry Seal's operation that was trying to tie him to the drug trafficking conspiracies is said to have gone on in the first like continued in the full first four years of his presidency. Oh, my God. And he did how many terms? Two terms? Yeah, two terms. Yeah. So it was his, his first, first term. term as president. This was still going on, and the CIA's involved, the DEA's involved, Arkansas State. And then he's reelected and in then the office. And then that's when it just goes away. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's sus. And again, we're not like trying to, you know, do any like Pizzagate shit. We're like not doing anything like that. Like, truly. 
But the Clintons were dirty. This this shit is just crazy. Like where there's smoke, there's fire, and any anyone that's involved. And I mean, and a lot of stuff does kind of surround it, specifically with Barry Seal. And when I say kind of surrounds, absolutely is surrounded by Ronald Reagan and George H. W. Bush. So, uh, holy shit! Uh, so you might be hearing that very soon. <laughs> very. Very soon. Probably on a Patreon, I'm thinking. I don't know. I, I would love to be able to do it on a public episode because uh, you guys have, this is so well tied in. Like, it's nothing that, with, like, with Barry Sherman, Barry and Honey Sherman, we, there was space for us to be like, you don't have to listen to this. But if you want to know more about this case, you literally have to listen to yeah. this. So I want to see if there is a possibility that we can do it on here without, a, pissing a lot of people off. B, literally getting ourselves killed. C, uh, losing our entire RSS feed or some crazy shit. Yeah. We're like, going to have a lot of technical difficulties that week. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. But I don't know. Me neither. And it's just a way that I came across it was just insane. It I was fell into your lap. It just fell into... It, I've never... I've never... I've heard about the boys on the track. Never once have I heard about the conspiracies that are so well like i've heard about the dea like involvement with it because of barry seal but never as high up as presidents being involved no that is nuts because that shit stays covered up oh yeah for years oh so yeah crazy i would like us to do it if we can we will if not it'll be on patreon of course um because we act like we're invincible on there Literally. Less people find out. Yeah. We're like, the president definitely cannot pay $5 a month for this. And we know exactly who listens to it, too. But at the same time, what are they going to put? CIA agent 124. <laughs> CIA agent 124 just pledged $5. At gmail.com. <laughs> We'd be like, ooh. We should go through and see if anybody's .gov. Yeah. Because that will get us in trouble. For sure. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, that <sighs> was really good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I felt like I kind of stumbled through it because I was just so excited to get to the end. It was crazy. But, I mean. I just remember that one point. I was like, I don't know how. We, we were off mic. I said, I don't know how you're going to take this into where you told me it was going to be I going. was like, I told her before. I said, Morgan, you're never going to expect where this goes. I'm talking CIA. She was like, just wait. I'm government. Like, and she was like, halfway through, Taylor, are you sure you're telling me the right case? Yeah. I'm like, no, I am. But I just feel so bad for these poor boys getting caught in something that is so, so out of their control. Like they didn't know yeah. that they were going to come across A1. They didn't know what A1 was. Only these people who were working these task forces did. Yeah. And instead they lose their lives and and get murdered and taken away from their families at 16 and 15 years old. Because of these higher up officials being involved in drug trafficking. And, you know, I kind of feel like that it might have happened as a way they were spotting for their deer and they shine the light on something that yep. was moving. And they were like. And they tried to get away before they were attacked. Yeah. Which is why they were attacked from the side you see, in the back. There should have been nothing back there besides animals. Right. And they, that's what they thought. And it's so just when they so see weird. something moving in the shadows, they're going to spotlight it and it's going to light up four or five people or however many people were there mm -hmm. and they just gave themselves away and that's and probably how they were spotted in terms of how the investigation went the first time with the falsified reports from the original medical examiner who performed the first autopsies i mean it 
if this was like at a government level where there's the fact of like straight up CIA, DEA, undercover agents being involved in this, then it is likely that the governor had to come forward to the medical examiner and be like, Come yo, up. cover this up right now. Close the case. Tell them they were. For tell it. them they to- smoked twenty dubs. We'll protect you. We'll keep you. We can protect you. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Getting it writ- written off by the uh, state health board yeah. person. It's just really fucked up, and yeah, I, it it's just tragic for their families who literally. When when you have someone in your life who loses their life to crime, you also end up especially one that's unsolved you lose your life to that crime yeah absolutely not only do you lose a piece of it mm-hmm. but you spend every single waking moment of the rest of your life being like why can this not be solved thinking about them every day pursuing every single lead until you can shut that book and they never got the opportunity to do that so sad so sad so we'll let you guys know um if we can do it or not and uh just you know keep tabs on us make sure we're still alive okay you know <laughs> all right oh my god happy thanksgiving it's thanksgiving happy thanksgiving what a mind fucking episode. yeah wow sorry i didn't mean to do that to you but it's probably a great breakaway from whatever family drama great thanksgiving with all your families i hope you're pounding shots hiding away mm-hmm. or asking with that cousin to go on a walk down the street yeah, just you to know, see the new neighborhood you know just look around 20 doobies and coming right back <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then also, <laughs> yeah also, um, Morgan, what meal are you most excited or what piece of the meal are you most excited for? Um, I'm really excited for some Coke-ham. Coke-ham. Guys, um, I'm going to be having that on Monday. Yes. Here. Morgan just tried Coke-ham for the first time. Crafted by you and Logie. Yeah, first time. Did we talk about it on the last episode? I don't remember if we did. I feel like we talked about it at some point. Okay. And I do know someone messaged us and was like, I need a, the Coke-ham recipe, recipe so we did talk and about the orzo it. salad recipe. Ugh. So here's the Coke-ham recipe, okay? I wish orzo salad was on the menu tomorrow. You know what? I found a soup and I was like, maybe I could put an orzo soup on there. Just as a little side dish. Or a little salad dish. A little, hmm, maybe. I will maybe. split the cost with that. Um, so Through cranberry <laughs> sauce. That, no, we have to have cranberry sauce. Okay. Um, oh, we were absolutely talking about cranberry sauce last yeah. time. So Mor- I told Morgan that she needs to try Coke-ham on an episode in the past. Morgan, you tried it. How is 10 it? 10 out of 10. It's, it's good. So good. It's, it's so got like good. that like sweet, savory flavor. Yeah, that, like, you it's just... still so salty. And you know what it really reminds me of? And this is so weird. And I know you're not going to relate to this. But anybody up north that has a Sheets gas station, you will relate to it. It tastes like the Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. Whoa. And I think, I don't know why I got that vibe. But, but you know what? what? It makes sense. It's just like the brown sugar. Yeah. So soda. all you need for a Coke ham is not a spiral ham. Clearly not a spiral Not ham. a spiral ham. We learned that. I don't know what another type of ham is that you would need, but not a spiral ham. <laughs> just whatever's not a spiral ham. And I don't think you get honey. I don't know if it has to be cured or not. I don't know anything about ham. But either way, you get your ham. You put it in a crock pot. Put that thing on high. 12 hours Morgan just literally broke her mic basically it's okay stangling bath yeah um you put it in a crock pot 12 hours on high then you put a coke and a half like a can of coke and then a half can of coke if you want to get crazy with it you can just do one and then like you know uh eyeball some uh brown brown sugar sugar into that thing I think I did like um 
three fourths. Well, I know Taylor's eyeball is crazy. Every time she eyeballs, we were making orzo salad, and she's like, "Just eyeball that," and I'm like, "Okay, is this good?" She's like, "More." <laughs> well, it's just like Meh. it's supposed to be a tablespoon, but just eyeball it. Just just throw it in there. Yeah, just you know, measure it with your heart. That's all you need for that. And for the orzo salad, get your pens out, write this down because I would like to make you guys a recipe highlight on our story, but like that's not going to happen anytime soon. So if you no. want to make this for Thanksgiving or something, get a pencil out right now, piece of paper ready. You need orzo, and I think we did two cups. Then you bo- put water, you boil it, put the orzo in there until it like soaks it up because you're it, it'll tell you on the package how much you're supposed to put per serving of orzo then you get cukes cucumbers chop them up really good or you can keep them up like super thick if you want like a big crunch cherry tomatoes dice them then you get olive oil um, italian dressing seasoning or you can just use italian dressing which is what i did Um, then you're gonna put lemon juice like half of a lemon then red wine vinegar then you're going to put some uh, Italian seasoning. We did fresh basil. I think I did some rosemary, some thyme. Chicken. Chicken. Just dice it up. You can shred it if you want, but we just did diced, and that was good. And then uh, you can do chickpeas if you want. We didn't. Feta, Parmesan, salt, pep. Vinegar, oil. We already did the vinegar and the oil. What else was there? I feel like we're missing one big – oh, red onions red onions and we didn't put it in there at first and i was like damn you we forgot basil? the red onions yeah and i know some people put cilantro in theirs but cilantro tastes like soap to me so i can't do that and i feel like we're so missing good. one more vegetable that was in there i need that on the menu tomorrow is that doable no i don't think not. i think we have too many starchy sides already as is i'll make it for i'll make it for i Christmas would do party. it without the orzo and chicken just the cukes the veg uh, and the oil and well i do want to make a salad i do i really do want to make a salad but i was going to make like a cranberry feta salad and i was i was going to put pecans but then you'll die so i won't do that i hate my life here yeah. no one appreciates my you will allergy. die but oh it's not it's not pecans it's um walnuts in there they have that at uh and I'm dead. pharmacy but mm. I, I don't even like nuts in salads they just i don't like it but that's the only one i do like it and then you put a red a wine. a big, nice cucumber, tomato, onion salad. Mm, like a Greek salad. I don't even need lettuce. Veggie yeah. me up with some sauce. Yeah. I can make some homemade veggies for us. Yeah, I yeah. love homemade veggies. Me too. All right. Um, well, I hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. We're definitely going to enjoy all of ours because we have about a trill. I have five this week. Yeah. Um, I wow. thankfully technically have three. I'm only going to two. Well, no, I do. I'm going to th- all three. Never and mind. guess what? I'll be in the same outfit for every single one of them. Yeah. So don't ask questions. <laughs> don't call. Don't text. Don't so ask. Worry. All, right. all right. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your fam's love. Yeah. Do we not see them until December? Yeah. Oh, my God. Bye. Bye.